Praise the Lord. His mercy is forever and forever. His mercy is everlasting. Glory to God. Let's uh, turn again to Psalm 108. Psalm 108 and uh, verse 1. Psalm 108 verse 1. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. It reminds me when the prophet said in Isaiah, I have set my face like flint. In other words, my face is not going to change. I will worship God. I have made a decision, and there's no two ways about it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like I, in other words, Melody and I often uh, say that every, every so often. You know, I don't really care, and we teach our children this. It really doesn't matter what your friends do. It really doesn't matter what other people do. Uh, as for our house, we will serve the Lord, and we will act on the word, and we will act in faith. This is what we do. This is how we live. And, uh, you know, the best of us are not perfect at that. So if you're going to make someone else your standard, then uh, you're going to miss the mark that God has actually set forth in the word for you to be able to hit and have, has given you the ability to hit it because uh, people are fallible. And Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. He didn't say have faith in your pastor, have faith in your friend, have faith in your favorite uh, internationally known minister. No, he said have faith in God or lay hold of the faith of God or the faithfulness of God. Lay hold of the faithfulness of God, the constancy of God, that it doesn't matter if everyone else has failed you this week, if everyone else has failed you this month, it doesn't matter. God will never, ever fail you. And his mercies are new every single morning. What does that mean? Well, God doesn't make a mistake. He's perfect. Amen. But we make mistakes. We're imperfect. But his mercies are new every morning. Well, if you don't make a mistake, you don't need any mercy. I love in Hebrews where it says, you come to the throne of grace. One translation says, the throne of love gifts. I mean, that means that's the throne where the God who is love has gifts waiting for you and for me, actually already prepared ahead of time, available. Mm -hmm. It's the throne of love gifts that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Is the throne of grace. So God is ever faithful, ever watching. Uh, he's never going to fail. Like I think sometimes like I like to jog and so you might be jogging and sometimes maybe your leg will fail you. Uh, I was uh, uh, pushing cases in this morning and I was pushing cases in. I was, I was pushing in that really heavy case that has those, that backdrop there. That has, those are really heavy. And um, I was pushing that and I got to the crest of the hill coming in and I almost couldn't make it. And I thought, are my legs going to fail me? And so I was telling Dave about it afterwards. He said, well, you have strong legs. I don't understand what your problem was because <laughs> you jog all the time. I said, well, I don't know either. But sometimes your body will fail you. Like you, you expect, you know, I remember when I was um, younger and still growing, uh, it's so embarrassing, you know, because you're like teenager or early 20s and uh, you're still growing a little bit even if you don't notice it. And I'd just be standing there, all of a sudden my ankle would give out and I would just fall. 
like start to fall over. That's real embarrassing, especially if you're with a, a cute girl you want to impress or something like that. It's like, don't you know how to stand? <laughs> Can't you do something? But, but God will never fail. In fact, uh, Psalm 119 says that there is no end to the perfection of thy word. But he said, I have found an end to the perfection of all things. Well, if you inspect all things very long, you'll find an end to their perfection. Uh, You'll find like that that perfect brand new car is actually imperfect. Or you get like, uh, have you ever gone house looking and you go look in a brand new house? Do you know you should inspect a brand new house before you purchase it? Because even a brand new house uh, is imperfect. And so uh, man does a decent job making many things look perfect. But the word of God, there is no end to its perfection. That's why one of my favorite verses is Psalm 119, 128. And it says, I esteem your word above all else to be true. And I hate every false way. I esteem your word above all else to be true. I was uh, jogging the other day, this past week, and um, of course I was full of sweat because it is so humid right now. And I, I thought about that, and I, I, for some reason I, had just, I just thought about when I started learning so many things from the Word that I didn't realize were in there, even though I had been a believer for many years. And uh, you know, I started to get understanding from the Lord, and I thought, you know, that verse right there really gave me great stability because you can reason out a lot of things, especially if you're a thinker. And uh, you reason it out, but if you esteem the word of God above all else to be true, even when your circumstances seem to look opposite of what the word says, if you understand what the word says and you say, wait a minute, I esteem that to be true, then that means the circumstances have to change to match the word if you act on what you believe from the word. The word of God actually says that uh, the things that are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. One translation says that the things that are seen are subject to change. Temporal just means they're temporary. So like uh, uh, in the military, I was on a temporary duty assignment. They call it TDY. That means I'm not permanently there. That's subject to change. Well, in the military, anything's subject to change, to be honest with you. (laughs) Temporary. So what we see, what we feel, what we experience in this earth is subject to change. But God's word will never change and it will never fail. Hallelujah. So David said, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. In other words, all that I have, his glory was all of his best, all of his might, all of his wealth, all of his riches. He said, My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with all that I have, even with my glory. All right, let's go over. We're going to look again uh, quickly, I believe, at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So there's something about praising the Lord and lifting your voice in praise to the Lord uh, that changes the atmosphere that you're in. The atmosphere will change. Why? Well, I enter his courts with thanksgiving. 
um, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful and bless his name. Praise actually gives you access to the things of God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, David said, and let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Well, does that make God any bigger? No, but the, your understanding of the power of God in your situation is changed when you praise. You know, there was a lady um, that um, Kenneth Hagin knew, and she was sick in the hospital, and she had prayed and prayed, prayed for healing, prayed to the Lord, uh, trusting in the Lord, looking, well, I shouldn't say that, she just prayed to the Lord. And um, one day she was in the hospital bed praying, and she got a vision from the Lord. And the Lord showed her one of those balance beam scales. Remember those balance beam scales? And she said in that vision, she saw, and one side said prayer over it. And it was heaped up tall, and so it was down like this. And the other side said praise, and it was empty. And she said the Lord told her, as soon as your praises equal your prayers, your healing will show up in your body. So she began to praise the Lord. So she's there in the hospital room. She's saying, praise the Lord. Glory to God. I want to thank you, Father, that I'm well. I want to thank you that I'm healed. And she did this, I think it was for two or three days, every waking moment. So that the doctors and nurses came in and thought she was going insane. Like, what is wrong with you? But after three days, she had an incurable disease. And I apologize. At the moment, I, don't, I, look, I was looking for this um, when I was preparing. That I, don't remember the, I couldn't remember the exact disease. But uh, it was incurable. She was given up to die. Within three days, she was raised up completely whole and well. Hallelujah. So, Acts 16, 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed just like that woman. But they didn't just pray. They prayed and sang praises to God. They prayed and sang praises to God, and they didn't do it quiet because it says, and the prisoners heard them. And the prisoners heard them. So at midnight, they prayed and sang praises. In other words, uh, it, it looks like a dark time. Midnight is the darkest time of the night. Uh, you know, midnight in your life, midnight in your situation, uh, midnight in my life, in my situation. That's not the time to go silent. And that's not the time to get nervous. That's the time to praise the Lord. Uh, when it looks like it's not working, uh, when lots of thoughts come, like machine gun bullets coming into your head as fast as machine gun bullets would come, that's the time to begin to praise the Lord. And so um, I've had different times in my life where you just feel like, man, whether it's physical uh, symptoms attacking your body, something, something's happening, uh, finance, financial pressure, and man, it seems like that's the last thing in the world my flesh wants to do is to praise the Lord. That's why I like Psalm 108. My heart is fixed. In other words, it is set. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Well, if you set your heart like that, like maybe say this with me. My heart is set. I will praise the Lord 
at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Now, I want us to say it again. And I want to say it even uh, like we mean it a lot more. My heart is set. I will sing. And give praise to the Lord. At all times. The good times. And the bad times. My heart is set. Well, you see, if you, if you check in your spirit after you say that, if you're conscious from, of who you are on the inside, the real you, uh, you notice that your spirit kind of like that. The real you is like, oh, I feel like I should set up a little taller. Well, that's just right here in church, a gathering of believers, right? So you set your heart. Just like you set your face like Flint, you set your heart. Uh, no matter what happens, I'm going to praise. No matter what happens, I'm going to praise. I experienced a challenging time um, at a church I was on staff at, and um, there was an associate pastor there. I was also an associate, and um, uh, we didn't really see eye to eye, and so uh, he would try to set things up to kind of like undermine me and, and different things like that. And uh, so it was uh, some challenging, and so I was meditating in Psalm 119 almost every day at that point. And um, when I was doing that, uh, the Lord kind of just drew my attention over into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul talks about uh, the table of the Lord or the communion. And he said, on the same night Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks and that just like almost leapt off the page to me in the middle of my situation. And like in an instant, you know how the Lord shows you stuff. In an instant of time, you get understanding that you didn't really have or light that you didn't, you know, you, you'd be like, I, I saw that, but I never saw that. Like I saw those words, but whoa, those are like full of life and full of power. And so I saw that Jesus, you know, they're getting ready to have the last supper. So before they got at the one side of the table and took the picture, you know that picture that we all have? <laughs> so before the picture, he prayed and gave thanks. And I thought, well, what was he doing? And the Spirit of the Lord just witnessed on the inside of me. On the day that he was symbolizing the greatest act of love that would ever be committed, the Passover, he prayed and gave thanks to God. So he showed the greatest act of love on the same day that he was betrayed. The greatest act of betrayal, I should have said. Right? Well, anytime you get discouraged, if you're serving in uh, ministry or not serving in ministry in another place and you feel like you have a position of leadership somewhere and you've got people with you and they're kind of like um, undermining you or whatever, well, just look at Jesus. He had a staff of 12 and one of them was the betrayer. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Jesus was perfect. So uh, if you expect that everybody around you is going to be perfect, uh, then uh, apparently, you're, apparently you're planning to head to heaven soon. <laughs> so even, you know, uh, God had Satan, Lucifer himself, who was the head worshiper, and he fell. And Jesus had Judas, and he fell. And so, uh, you know, people aren't perfect, but God loves us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Amen. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. So on my worst day, 
he loved me. On my worst day, he died for me. When I made the biggest mistakes, he was thinking about me. That almost brings you to tears, doesn't it? I mean, that's not how the world loves. But that is how God loves. And God is love. And that kind of love is not holding all of your sins against you. It's not counting them up. One translation says that in 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not count up the wrongs done to it. But it actually cancels them out. Praise the Lord. So you do the greatest act, which is to thank the Lord and praise the Lord. And it'll change the atmosphere. It'll change what you, your perspective. You ever get up in the morning and you're kind of like, oh, you just feel like it's going to be a bad day. You feel like every light is going to be red and there's going to be three accidents on the way. Right? And you're like, oh, well, the, the flesh, if you're just going to let your flesh dominate you or natural human thinking, be like, man, oh. but you know you shouldn't say anything, so you just might grunt. Like, if I, what I would do is I would grunt, which is basically, an, uh, what do you call it? It's called grumbling and complaining, and those people got eaten by snakes in the Bible. <laughs> you're like, oh, man. <laughs> You know, the earth opened up and ate them up. We teach our kids that. and we had, we, had, we had to practice that ourselves. Well, we don't scare them like the earth's going to open up. But, you know, we, we tell them that story. And um, I, when I was uh, in Michigan, that pastor, he, he was a big hunter. You know, uh, he'd hunt all the time. In fact, we did a, I was in the television department. And um, we would do a show called Week in the Woods with him. Anyhow, a real fun show, and he'd hunt and then give Bible lessons and stuff. Anyhow, he had this little rabbit call. And uh, so he would just uh, uh, blow the thing. It sounds like a little baby crying. Well, they use that for when they're going coyote hunting. And that calls in all the coyotes. Because the second the coyotes hear a wounded, whining rabbit, they will come to take advantage. And the enemy is just like that. When he hears you or me like a wounded rabbit, it's like a siren song, come and get me. Come and get me. Why? Well, his tactics are working on you are just natural things of the flesh. The pressures of the flesh are getting a hold of you. And, uh, you know, that's the time to just go, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Hallelujah. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Uh, that's the time to praise. I think I mentioned last week, I love the, the, the uh, tenacity of John Osteen, Joel Osteen's dad. You know, John's gone to heaven now. Uh, but he was in an elevator one time. And in that elevator, you know how it's awkward in an elevator? Don't look at anybody. Like, don't make eye contact. And so he's in the elevator, and this guy is just cussing up a storm. <laughs> you know, blankety-blank, blankety-blank, blankety-blank. And he, John turned to him, and he said, are you finished? And the guy said, well, I guess so. And he said, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the guy looked at him like he was crazy. He said, I demand equal time. If you're going to curse him, I'm going to bless him. Hallelujah. My face is set like flint. 
So, as we said last week, uh, back in Acts chapter 16, it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. So, remember we said last week, like, it doesn't matter that you're going to prayer, Oh, well, I'm praying so the devil's going to leave me alone. Oh, no, he's probably like going to try and attack you more. But don't be scared because you have authority over him. But if you're going to live in the flesh, you're living on where he has dominion. But you can live out of your spirit pretty easily. How do you know? Well, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, Proverbs 20, 27 says. But then Romans chapter 8 says that the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, how do you know that you're born again? You actually have God's spirit witnessing in your spirit, with your spirit, that you are a child of God, that you're in the family. And then over in Peter, it says that we know that we've passed from death that spiritual death, to life, eternal life, or the God kind of life. We know that because we love the brethren. Well, so for me, the, the love is one of the most outstanding characteristics that I have the witness on the inside of the love of God and the witness that I'm born again, that I am born again. Did that make sense? That I'm born again, that I'm born again. In other words, you have a witness. Like if Brittany and I both saw a car accident and there were two different color cars, we could both witness to each other and say, did you see that? What color was that car? Right? She'd say, well, that was a black car. I said, yeah, and the other one was yellow? Yeah, and the other one was yellow. Well, the yeah, the other one was yellow. That's like a witness. And so I would say, hey, um, do you remember last week we saw those two cars in an accident? Uh, was that one black? And she say, yes. Well, that, the, the same way when she says yes, and that's like a confirmation back to me of what I saw and witnessed, that's a similar way to how you actually understand that's the Lord communicating with you, a, a witness. Yes, that's right. It's a, it's a knowing, right? You, you kind of know. It's you know on the inside. And so you know on the inside when you are born again. Well, um, and you also know because the word says, this is what the word says. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not if you confess with your mouth and believe in your head. Uh, relationship with God is not head-based. It's not mind-based. It is spirit-based. Man is a three-part being. Being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, which has our mind, our will, and our emotions, and then we live in a body. And Jesus actually talked about this in John chapter 4. Remember the woman at the well? She's talking about like, well, the Samaritans say you're supposed to worship here, the Jews say you're supposed to hear, worship here. And Jesus said, they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth because, you remember why? God is a spirit. That's actually how he started. He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God's a spirit. That means he's not going to communicate with our mind. He's going to communicate with our spirit. So the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. 
In other words, the light of the Lord. So imagine if this room was dark and you wanted to see, you need a light. Uh, the, the way that you'll be able to see and be able to be guided is with that light. Well, our spirit is what God uses as his light. Right? So that's where you get understanding. And then that understanding uh, can come up and register on your mind. One of the greatest needs for any believer, probably you could almost say the greatest need, is the renewing of our minds. In other words, you have to be changed. Uh, Paul said much stronger than what I just said. Paul said you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have you ever seen someone uh, and you knew them and they weren't born again and then they got born again? They're transformed from their spirit. But you ever seen someone that's born again and then you didn't see them for a few years and you saw them later and they've been uh, feeding on the word of God and it's like they're changed again, again. Why? Well, just the same, the original word is the same original word for metamorphosis. Just the same way as a caterpillar changes into a butterfly or a tadpole changes into a frog. Uh, completely different. Well, you will be completely different when you allow the word of God to transform you by feeding on his words. Uh, James even talked about it in his book, said the saving of your souls. Saving of your soul. Well, soul is, is used in many different uh, ways and uh, the world would call your soul really is more equivalent to your spirit. When we talk about soul, we're talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions and that's what James was talking of. So that the word of God will actually save your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you let the word dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Speaking to it and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Over in Colossians. The word of Christ will, will change you and will transform you. So it doesn't really matter if you're doing the things of God. Sometimes you're a greater target, but you have authority. And so Paul and Silas, uh, you know, they got this, uh, by the power of God, this little possessed girl who people were just using to make money was completely set free. So much so that they couldn't even use her anymore. Like, and so then that's how they were getting a living off of this girl's torment And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that same hour. And her masters, when they saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, uh, they're exceedingly troubling our city. In other words, they're, they're, these are troublemakers. Uh, and they're Jews, and teach them customs which are not lawful. They're teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive nor observe since we're Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded them to be beat. And when they had laid many stripes on them or beat them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. 
So Paul and Silas did nothing wrong except for follow God, which wasn't wrong. It was right. But in the eyes of the world, it was wrong uh, because it actually took away their means of money. And uh, somebody said, it's about the money. It's about the money. It is about the money. Why are they doing that? It's about the money. Why would they do that? It's about the money. Power and money. They want the power and the money. In that state, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So Paul and Silas, it doesn't say Paul and Silas are there in the inner prison. Like I think New King James says that. They're in the inner prison. Their feet are bound. Their hands are bound. And so they said, oh, man, Paul, you really let us wrong this time. You really messed up. If, if, we would, if we wouldn't have listened to you, you obviously did not hear from God. It's all your fault. No, they didn't whine and complain. I mean, they probably would have died there had they whined and complained. What'd they do? Uh, their heart was fixed. I will praise the Lord. So they prayed. In other words, what's prayer? It's turning to the Lord, looking to the Lord. They prayed and sang praises to God. Like that woman in the hospital with that terminal disease. She prayed and prayed. But just like if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, just like her, uh, if you pray and things don't change, say like in that physical sickness in your body, uh, you need to uh, change your prayer. And you need to ask the Lord, uh, well, according to your word, you said by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Amen. And I believe that. But my body's not changing, so what's the problem? Well, really in prayer, uh, we should be prepared for a conversation every time we pray. But the mistake we make a lot of times is uh, we just want to make a statement or a request and we're not really looking for what the Lord is saying uh, we are, especially if you know your rights and privileges in Christ, you can make that mistake. I said, well, like, you know, uh, one of the deans at the Bible school I went to, he, um, you know, you understand, begin to get not full understanding, of course, but you have a little glimpse of the authority that a believer has over the enemy and over sickness and over disease. And you have the authority as a believer to command sickness to leave your body and it has to leave. But our ultimate authority is the word of God. And Jesus himself, you know, he lived under the authority of God. Even here in the earth, it says he laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as a mere man. So that's why you don't see him do any miracles before he was anointed of the spirit. But as soon as he was anointed of the spirit, then he was anointed to minister and he began ministering. But he ministered as a man, a perfect man, but a man anointed by the Spirit of God. And so then you begin to see miracles that he did. But Jesus was totally reliant upon what God said. Remember? Actually, he said, I do nothing of myself. But whatever I hear the Father say, that's what I do. And another time he said, whatever I see the Father do, that's what I do. So Jesus was totally uh, yielded to the Lord, so much so that when he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
there's so many sermons you could preach on all this. So when he was led of the spirit to be tempted of the devil, the first temptation after he was hungry for 40 days, the first temptation was to turn the stones into bread. Or, to put it a different way, he was tempted to do the supernatural apart from the leading of the Spirit of God. He was tempted to do the supernatural to benefit himself. So even Jesus didn't do that. So we're totally relying upon him. That's why I love the last series that we did, um, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot separate living by faith from being led by the spirit of God. The two go together. Why is that? Well, the way that faith comes is when the spirit of God makes the words of God real to you. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God is the literal Greek. So the rhema of God is when his spirit makes those words real to you. So the second that happens, faith is present. That's why you meditate in the word. Because when you meditate in the word, uh, you begin to tr be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, all of a sudden that word will come alive and be real to you in your heart, not just your head. I've had scriptures uh, at different times that I read, and I know in my head, I'm like, in my spirit, there's more to that. I'm, not, I'm only getting that like surface level, and that surface level was just here. I'm like, that, that, I, I'm not seeing that. But even in that moment, see, I'm not alone. God's spirit is witnessing on the inside of me, you're not receiving that the way you should receive it. In other words, Jesus said, be careful how you hear because faith that's what he said now I'm saying because faith comes by hearing yep. which is what Paul said right so just because you heard something you heard a sound you heard a voice you heard a lecture you heard a teaching doesn't mean that you heard it in your heart right because faith is of the heart not the head well many times it comes through your head I noticed this the more that I think on a scripture and meditate that scripture, I turn it over, look at it different ways, the more revelation comes. But just because I, when I study a scripture, it's not like, you know, we're, some of you know we're like uh, having to remodel our house. So it's not like when I study how to do something to remodel the house. Right? I get natural information and I find all this stuff and then sometimes I'll pray in the Holy Ghost if I don't know what to do so the Lord help me and I'll get led to the right place. Um, but it's not like natural information comes alone but when, I, when you meditate you use the body and the mind that God has given you and you study those scriptures. I mentioned T.L. Osborne before. He said think. Some of the hardest work in the world is thinking. You have the mind of Christ use it. That's what he would say. So you take and you meditate the scripture at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. So you meditate that scripture that at midnight, and that's where you go. You like at the worst time in their life, they prayed and sang praises. Well, my initial thought, if I'm starting to meditate on that, I'm going to have a natural thought that's like, how did they do that? I certainly would not feel like doing that. Well, then as I'm meditating, so they did something that they didn't feel like doing. 
So they didn't come easy to them, to their flesh, but yet they did it. So maybe that was a lifestyle with them, right? You could look and you could see, you, could, you, you just start to think on it, and then revelation can start to come. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So you have to hear the initial hearing, but then you have to hear with your heart. You have to understand with your heart the Lord has to give light, and then you'll have light and direction. So at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Nobody, nobody lift your hands, but like how did you do last week when the midnight times came or when the difficult times came? Did you lift your voice and praise the Lord? Well, don't, don't uh, knock yourself if you're down. If you didn't praise the Lord immediately, well, did you at least praise the Lord after you grunted and complained and whined? Right? The Lord is merciful. Now, we're not like, um, what do you call it? Um, I don't even know what that word is. We're not just taking his, saying, well, the Lord's going to be merciful, so I'm just going to whine, and I'm just going to complain, and I'm just going to do all this stuff, presuming, that's what the word presuming on the mercy of God. Well, we know he's merciful, uh, but we have the power to overcome every obstacle when we act on the word of God and when we allow the Lord to be magnified through us. Do you know how challenging it is to act on the word when it seems like God's not even there for you or listening to you? That's so what you do. You pray and you sing praises. You say, Lord, I just want to thank you. I mean, that, that experience I had a couple years ago here where I was attacked uh, in my body and I was in my bed, middle of the night, and um, really bad cough came on me and Melody came in to, uh, I guess she was in there, and I asked her to pray for me and she prayed for me. <clears throat> no, I was trying to figure out what was going on. She said, I'll pray for you. So she prayed for me. And it was like as if you could if you could have seen in the spirit, it was as if like there was some spiritual, evil spiritual creature that like went underneath me and kept his hand in my chest and just kind of snickered like this. Like, ha ha, uh, you think that that's taken care of. She thinks that's taken care of. And I, so I'm in this state and I'm having really difficulty um, breathing and coughing real bad. And so I was like desperate. I'm like, Lord, what is it? So I'm looking to the inside like, Lord, what, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, what am I looking for? I'm looking really for a rhema word at that moment. Like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? Because we, we acted on this, right? And so uh, as I'm looking for that, just in my spirit, not from my head, but just kind of like, almost like bubbles coming up from the bottom of a pool, how they kind of just float up. There was these words. And so I just began, I began by whispering them. I am not under the dominion of the kingdom of the authority of darkness. I am under the dominion of the kingdom of the authority of the son of his love. And when I said it, it was like plugging a, uh, a, pl a light plug into the wall socket. There was a connection. I was like, ah. so I said it again and I had a little more strength to say it. Well, I said that for about 10 minutes straight until I was shouting. And the next morning, my daughter said, what was wrong last night? I woke up and you were yelling in the middle of the night, right? But in 10 minutes, every symptom left. Every symptom was gone. Why? Well, the Lord led me in it. 
you know, and I was talking about the dean at the Bible school, you know, his wife had some sickness. And so he said, I just command that to, you know, come off of her in the name of Jesus. Nothing happened. But while he said it, he said later, I had on the inside anoint your wife with oil. He said, but then I thought to myself, well, we have authority over every sickness and every disease. I just spoke to it. But you cannot separate living by faith from walk and being led by the Spirit. Like Jesus didn't turn those stones into bread because God didn't lead him to do that. So we have authority, but we have authority under the Lord. People want to get everything out of balance. You know, the gifts of the Spirit actually, uh, in, even in another direction, the gifts of the Spirit are manifested not as you want or I want, as He wants. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Brother Hagin used to say, I mean, he was used mightily in many of those things. He said, well, if, if they were manifested as I will, he said, I would will it every time. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Well, why are, why are they not? Well, many times people are not in a position to receive. And the Lord cannot go against his word. He has, he, because he said, yeah, he's all powerful. But the all powerful one said, I bound myself to my word. Amen. So he's not going to do anything outside of his word. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Hallelujah. So, you be led by the Spirit, but set your heart to praise the Lord. That no matter what's going to happen, I am going to praise the Lord. And you might find that initially that's harder than uh, what you think it is. But as soon as you allow that lifestyle to grow and develop in you, uh, you'll never go back the other way. That's a lifestyle that doesn't have a care. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lifestyle that always has a, a laugh and a shout. Like we said last week, Smith Wigglesworth, who the Lord used to raise more than 23 people from the dead, documented cases. He said, uh, no man can doubt if he will learn to shout. No man can doubt if he'll learn to shout. So uh, I challenge you this week. You say, well, like, how would I apply this? What should I do? Well, you probably already know. But this week, or maybe if not this week, the next, whenever you have an unexpected uh, experience that you're not real pleased with, start to shout. Yeah. Like Nate Naveen said, you know, what's that? That shout that they put on the clothes, the stains? If you've got a stain that tries to show up in your life, you know, I like ketchup on my French fries. So if you're eating French fries and ketchup gets all over you, you know, in other words, your boss throws something unexpected at you that you think is not good news. Well, don't shout at your boss. <laughs> Maybe go to the bathroom or go someplace and just just begin to lift your voice. Uh, you know, just like we said, you know, I have set myself to praise the Lord. And you notice something goes off in your spirit. You don't even have to say that loud to start with. You just let the Lord have your lips and have your mouth instead of uh, reason and instead of the enemy. That you don't say, well, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how it's going to happen. What, what, you know, no. Hmm. That's a challenge I didn't expect. But I will praise my God. God is able to supply all of my needs. And he will do it. He is my healer. He is the giver of life in this situation. And so then you just say, Jesus is Lord of this situation. Jesus is Lord of my life. Yes. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. 
if you're here this morning and you can't from your heart say Jesus is Lord, in other words, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to, I want to invite you this morning to do that. Don't wait another minute. Don't wait another hour. You don't have to wonder, uh, when I die, will I go to heaven? I guess I'll find out then. No, you can know today, right now, that you are part of the family of God and you are going to live forever with him in eternity. You don't come to Christ by what you do by your good works. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because you do charity work. It's not because you serve in a church. It's not because you read your Bible. It's not because you pray every day. But it is because you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus every day. If you're here this morning, you'd like to receive him and his life. And I want you to slip up your hand so I can pray with you and I can pray for you. Jesus loves you. God loves you. He made a way for you. And number two, if you're here this morning and uh, you have just gotten off track and you've confessed Jesus as Lord, you've been born again, but man, you haven't been living for the Lord. You've just been living for the world, dominated by that. And you feel in your heart that you need to come and rededicate yourself to the Lord and you need to recommit and just confess once again, Jesus is my Lord. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He's ready with open arms to bring you back. Hallelujah. And number three, if you're here this morning and you're not filled with the Spirit, but you'd like to be, you know, Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it, that uh, once you've been born again, uh, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, you're born of the Spirit when you're born again. But when you're full of the Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, uh, it's like, you know, I've drank a glass of water, but have you drank until you're full? And once you drink until you're full, you receive power. And you receive more light, understanding, revelation. If you'd like to be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, David, go ahead and just sing that. If you raise your hand for any of those or you, you wanted to raise your hand but you didn't and you'd like to come forward, just come forward. I'd love to pray with you and for you. You'll be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, surrender now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Okay, well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close out. And I saw a couple hands up there. If you'd like to pray for anything else, uh, please just come forward afterwards or for that. You know, if you raise your hand, I encourage you just to um, come forward. You can come forward as he's singing. Well, we're just going to close out. He's going to sing. Uh, keep singing as we uh, close. 
but please don't go away uh, without receiving from the Lord uh, what he's stirring in your heart right now to receive. Uh, God bless you. Father, we thank you so much that you are alive and that you love us, that you surround us like a shield, that we have your protection everywhere we go. Oh, Father, we look to you. Father, today, tonight, this week, Father, I pray in our greatest time of need or pressure or stress, Father, that the words from your word that we looked at this morning will come rushing back to us in the middle of the night that we'll lift our voice and praise you in the middle of our midnight hour that we'll boldly praise you, magnify you, allow you to be bigger in our eyes and in our situation so that you can work and you can move and just like Paul and Silas, the walls can fall down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, we just plead the blood of Jesus over every one of us, our travels, where we go, our jobs, our relationships, and our affections, what gets our attention. Father, you're our number one. We thank you for giving us life, for giving us love, for giving us freedom, and for giving us the voice of a witness. This week as we go, Father, we ask for more opportunities to sow your life, love, and your word into others. Thank you for making us a witness. In Jesus' name, amen.